0: Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. And our top story today cash balance plans gain increasing popularity with employers. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more are Alex Cool and John Kleiser of October 3. John, Alex, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
1: That's good to be here. Thank you.
0: See you. And I, and I love that we focus, we spend a lot of time on our program talking about defined define contribution. I love the fact that we can talk about defined benefit and today, we're going to bring up the conversation again on cash balance plans. John, I'll start with you. Let's for level set for everybody. What are cash balance plans?
1: So uh, a cash balance plan is actually uh, often referred to as a hybrid defined benefit plan. And, and that simply means that it contains some characteristics of traditional defined contribution plans. So think of a 401k plan and traditional defined benefit plans but the biggest difference um with a cash balance plan is the fact that the overall value of the account excuse me of the overall value of the benefit is defined as an account rather than defined as an annuity payable at some retirement age which is typically the way a traditional defined benefit plan um defines you know the benefit that somebody receives so an account for a participant is going to grow each year through the addition of cash balance credits or contributions and then through interest credits which is really just a growth in the account due to the passage of time
0: and and Al, Alex I want to come over to you because it seems like this is very similar to a defined benefit plan but it really as John was saying it's it's like a hybrid and it sounds to me like it's very easy to understand if you are a participant, if you're a member of one of these programs. Want to get your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, sure. So it is. I agree. Um, it, because it's, it's delivered as an account, as it, it's, like, it's like looking at your bank account, right? And you know how much money you have in there. It, what's, what's nice about it is it's portable. So, you know, you can, if you leave the company or retire, et cetera, you can just, you know what you're getting. You're getting the bank balance. When you, have a, when you have an annuity, a lot of people don't understand, you know, what the value of their annuity is today. They could be 40 years old and they say, oh, I see back when I'm 65, I'm going to get this $340 a month, you know, annuity. What does that mean for me right now? You know, kind of cash, what's it worth in cash? Nobody knows, right? So it's just a nice, you know, cash balance plans have a nice way of of, of making it easier to understand what what your, the value of your benefit is. It's just nice an economic balance.
0: Sorry, Alex, didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to ask you, are these, are you seeing, you and John seeing a resurgence in interest and popularity around these types of plans? Because we've spoken with your colleague, John, uh, not this John, but another John, John Lowell, about this. It seems like in the conversation I recall with him is that this has become a very popular trend. um, And we know that benefits, very important.
1: Yeah, so I, I would say that we have seen um, a ramp up in interest in these kind of programs, specifically over the last, I don't know, 10 plus years. It, it's it's really been um, a ramp up in uh, particular industry segments. So uh, primarily what we're, where we've seen it the most is in professional service firms, where firms are setting up these types of plans to use or to provide to their key employees, so the partners at a law firm or the physicians in a medical practice group, uh, to be able to provide those individuals an opportunity for additional uh, tax deferrals. So these folks, uh, through the construction of the plan, are, are in essence giving up some forms of cash compensation in exchange for receiving a benefit put into this qualified plan. And so they're um, they are they're, they're really used as an enhancement vehicle um, for these professional service firms that are trying oftentimes in medical practice groups, for example, trying to attract and, and retain uh, doctors becomes a really, really important element. So if I can give somebody some more tax advantageous uh, compensation, elements as part of their overall package that becomes a very very um attractive feature and again as as Alex explained earlier the plans are so easy to understand now again i don't have to do these annuity conversions and all the other things that make the value of uh, of some of these programs so difficult to understand everything is is, uh, defined as lump sum or in an account balance basis. So again, very, very easy to understand and and provide some some very, very significant uh, tax uh, benefits as well.
0: And and Alex, just to kind of piggyback on John's comment, easy to understand. And I bet if I'm a chief financial officer, maybe a little bit easier for them to understand and also program into their pro forma budget, right? I mean, they have to think about the contributions, think about the credits.
2: What's nice about cash balance plans is you can set them up so that the contributions are much more predictable uh, than in a traditional defined benefit plan because, you know, you're, you're defining the benefit, as John mentioned, as a contribution credit, plus a rate of return uh, that you choose. And so you can budget your contributions based based on how you design the program. In a, in a defined benefit plan, a traditional plan, you know, you're subject to interest rate risk. You know, interest rates go down, now you're not as funded, and now your your budget's thrown off. Um, you know, so it's 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 just a it's a much more budgetable program for a CFO.
0: And and Alex, just to kind of pick pick up on that, do you still need to do an actuarial valuation? So, a big part of the defined benefit plan is you have to manage the investments. But then you need an actuary, someone like yourselves, your gentleman right there, uh to assist with doing evaluations so you know how much to contribute and how much the liabilities versus the assets are. Is that something you need here with a cash balance plan as well?
2: You do, yes. Yeah, you know, it is still a defined benefit plan. You still need people like us, you still need actuaries to do them. Uh, so that that is is that those requirements are the same. Uh it's just that the actual contributions made are going to end up being a lot more predictable uh, in these arrangements, but yeah, all the same requirements are there uh, when it comes to your reporting, actuarial work, etc. Yeah,
0: and, and John, I want to ask you the last question, but I promise we'll pick things back up in the in the second segment because there's a lot of want to on unpack here. But let's talk about this environment, this this market environment. We've got a rising interest rate environment, uh, or at least we had until the Federal Reserve put a pause on it, but we had sure. higher interest rates. How does that differ in the impact to a defined benefit plan versus what we're talking about this morning, the cash balance plan?
1: Well, so the easiest way to think of it is, again, in, in these types of cash balance plans, the the account, if you will, is is somewhat immune from changes in the in the uh, interest rate environment. So, again, if you've got $100 in your bank account, and the interest rates all of a sudden overnight changed from 4% to 3%, your $100 is still $100, right? And, and the, the same notion uh, exists today for a cash balance plan. So these risk elements that were so typical of traditional defined benefit plans, and Alex was even highlighting them, You know, interest rate volatility, investment volatility, um, you know, uh, early retirement uh, volatility, people are leaving earlier than you had otherwise expected. Those are all things that actuaries had to kind of put into their models to try to figure out how much money to set aside each year for these plans. None of that really exists for these cash balance plans. Again, their accounts, we know exactly what the contribution credits are gonna be, right? It's a percentage of pay or a dollar amount or something else that's defined by the plan. and. So much of the volatility that exists in traditional defined benefit plans is absolutely eliminated uh, in a in a uh, uh, cash balance plan structure that's uh, that's certainly designed properly. So very very attractive.
0: Yeah, hence why they're becoming more popular, gentlemen. I'm gonna take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about setting up and a lot more. What you need to know, what you need to think about. You're gonna to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Well, Alex, John, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. No,
1: oh, it's or, good. This is fun. We enjoyed talking yeah, about it's, this
0: it's, stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm a retirement nerd. I think people who watch the show know that we're, we're going to be talking about some really important things you're a CFO, a CHRO, Alex, this stuff, if you're thinking about rewarding people, giving them a benefit that's tax deferred, this is probably a really good place to start. Alex, let's talk about how do I go about, I'm hearing this for the first time, maybe not the first time, but I'm hearing this and it sounds interesting to me. How do I go about setting up one of these plans? What are some some of the big overarching themes I need to think about?
2: Yeah, sure. So you know, what I typically work with are you know, business owners uh, who are looking to catch up on their retirement savings because they, they're high earners. They, they, you know, the 401k limits are are restrictive to them uh, compared to their total income, and so they're looking to put something in that will allow them to catch up on their retirement savings, save on their, you know, tax deductions, etc. And so I come at it from that perspective. And so when it when it's that way, how we do it, we set these up. It's like you want to make sure one. Um, that it's a sustainable program, something that you know is going to blow up in your face, you know, year two or three, um, you know, and that requires you know, some steady income, right? That's why, as John mentioned, lawyers, doctors, professional services are great for this. Um, then you want to make sure you you set them up so that you know your staff are getting the benefits. If you have staff, that they're getting the benefits that are required by law. You do non discrimination testing in your design. And uh, we, we do that. So we will do like a free like illustration for smaller groups, you know, bigger groups is, is more involved. And uh, we'll run a scenario and we'll see, okay, you know, this is how much you're going to need to provide to everybody to make it all work. And look at these huge deferrals you can have as owners of the company, right? Um, so we go through that with them hand, you know, very holding. We also then set up um, the plan document and we do have a, an IRS pre-approved Cash balance plan document that we use for, you know, our, our our smaller groups of clients, and so we we take them through the whole process, and we can it can be done in a couple I don't know two three weeks typically, um, so it's it's a it's a pretty smooth system.
0: Yeah, sounds like it, uh, John. I want to come over to you because one of the I think key decision points is the interest crediting rate. If I have that correct, you want to talk a yeah. little bit about that and maybe some of the options that people who we're thinking about a plan design need to be thinking about?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. So, so again, uh, as regards to, to interest credits, again, this is, you know, as time, as time elapses and my money's in the account, how, how, how does the plan define that it grows? Um, And typically, again, most plans, other than the ones that we have set up, most plans utilize what's referred to as a fixed interest crediting basis so the plan defines that the accounts are going to grow at some fixed rate say five percent um and so again if i have a hundred dollars in the plan at the end of the year i'm going to have 105 that is irregardless of how the assets perform right and so every year uh again the the plans that are uh are monitored and and are managed appropriately generally will go through a reconciliation process at year end to say, well, how did my assets perform compared to that 5% index that I had to credit? And then they reconcile that by having to put additional money in if the assets didn't earn enough or perhaps reducing future contributions to take into account that my assets actually earned more than the 5%. So again, this whole structure generates a tremendous amount of volatility, and it really came to a head as we go through a year like 2022, where we saw that no matter how somebody was invested, assets generally lost between 10 and 20%, again, irregardless of your uh, investment mix. Everybody that had a fixed rate account balance, their account balance, the benefit went up 5% or 4% or whatever their particular bogey was. And so the discrepancy between the way the assets behaved and the way the account balances behaved was dramatic and caused a lot of plan sponsors to have to make some pretty significant additional contributions to their plan to account for those asset losses. And the reality is plans and plan sponsors... Don't have to undergo that kind of stress on a year to year basis, because there's an alternative way to set up your interest crediting basis that really eliminates most of, if not all of this risk, and that's a market return structure. So instead of defining a fixed crediting rate like um, uh, these traditional plans have done, we instead set the interest uh, credit rate to be whatever the underlying return is on the plan's assets. So, in a year like 2022, assets are down 10%. Everybody's account that has an account in this plan would be down 10%. If accounts were up 10%, everybody's account would move up 10%. But the beauty of this design is that the assets and the liabilities, the accounts and the underlying plan assets are moving in tandem with one another. They go up together, they go down together. So this notions of huge unfunded liabilities or surprise contributions is almost fully eliminated. Um, And the beautiful thing is, is that a plan sponsor today that realizes they have this fixed interest crediting basis and says, oh my gosh, what do I need to do to go to a market return? It, it's a plan amendment. It's very, very easy, very, very simple. Um, and and again, we've encouraged virtually all of our clients or all of our clients have already moved uh, to the market rate design. It's just a much better vehicle for delivering the promises uh, uh, in these cash balance plan programs.
0: And if I'm the CFO who's got to fund that difference, I, I probably like that a lot more as well. Alex, uh, we talked about, a lot about plan design. We talked about the interest crediting uh, methodology. What about an administrator? I don't necessarily want to. I'm a, well, I want to maybe if we get it to, if we have time, I want to talk about funds. But what about an administrator? Because you know, I would think that there are some administrative functions or custodial functions that have to occur. So it's not just on the front end the design. There's probably someone who has to do a little bit of work behind the scenes.
2: Sure. I mean, there's different players involved in a, in a plans. You know, running a plan, right? So. You know, we design the programs as the actuarial firm we design and then we do the administration, uh, meaning like the record keeping, you know, we're not cutting the checks, but we're doing the record keeping. So we track everybody's balance. Um, you know, we provide like a distribution paperwork. We do the 5500. We do the testing. So that's the actuary and record keeper together. You know, we're, we're, we're one in the same doing that. Um, you need an investment advisor who is is running the money. Right. We do not run the money. Um, actuaries typically don't do that. Uh, they stick to what they know. So you'll need a, you know, an investment advisor to pick the funds and things like that to track whatever the, you know, investment, you know, policy is for the, for the plan sponsor for the client. Uh, then the next the, the thing you need to know is you'll need a trust and custody provider. Some advisors have that solution in hand, where they're kind of one in the same, you know, they they can run everything themselves, they can cut the checks, they can issue the 1099s and stuff like that. Others need to bring in someone to do that part. So they may know how to pick the funds and, and all that, but they're not the ones actually like holding the assets. So that's the trust. So we find that, especially in the smaller plan market, sometimes they think, oh, I have this advisor and he's going to do all that for me. And then they don't. So you need to make sure that you plug that hole and, you know, have a trust, uh, have a place where it's going to be held and that they're going to handle that other other stuff for you.
0: Yeah. Again, there's a lot of things that just for the audience, there's things that have that behind the scenes to pay the checks and do all those things. So that's where those record keepers, those custodians come to place. John, I want to end with the topic of fees. It's something that in the defined contribution world, we often talk about how how do fees You know, you think about what has to go into a defined benefit plan, which would be would be a comparative plan. Got to pay the actuary, got to do the custodian, you got investment fees. How do they do they align? Are they the same, similar, less? I guess um, relative to the DB plan or comparable.
1: Yeah, so at the end of the day, when you have a plan that is up and running, um, you know. The good news is you have a great plan, right, which is is we've eliminated a lot of risk and, and volatility associated with it. But at the end of the day it's a defined benefit plan as as alex described and you need an actuary to perform certain regulatory and uh, uh required functions and so we need to do evaluation we need to file government forms we oftentimes have to pay um the pbgc if you're publicly traded there may be um, some audit requirements um again so again most of the actuarial functions um are are going to be provided, but actuarial administration and non-discrimination are going to be provided, probably on a fixed fee basis. It's going to be very similar to what it would be under a, a traditional uh, defined benefit plan. It it may it may be a um a little bit cheaper, but you know a, at the end of the day, um, it, all those same functions need to happen, um, and so some of those uh you know fees are are, are going to be need to happen. Again, typically on the actuarial side of the of the fence. Uh, fees are not um, asset-based. So as a plan gets larger, it's not like every year I'm paying more and more money to, to get my valuation or to get my 5,500s. Uh, it's generally um, a fixed fee based on the uh, participant size may be the only uh, real significant variable. On the asset side or the investment advisor side, oftentimes, again, just the, the nature of that business, their their fees are tied to uh, the assets under management. Um, and so that may be a little bit of an escalating fee, although the basis point charges oftentimes will taper off as the as the overall asset size gets a little bit larger.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, John. Alex, John, great conversation. I, I, I love this um, plan design. I think it's something that people should at least think about uh, if you're running a DB plan or thinking about how can I reward my employees or some of my key employees uh, with another benefit, maybe not going down the non-qualified plan rabbit hole, but that's a whole different conversation. We're going to have to leave it there, gentlemen. Always great to talk to you. And thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. All right. Thanks very much, Jeff. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, Drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, and all in one place. That's right, one place. Check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of B R N A M of a very special guest, of course, and a great topic. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on safe. Don't forget, roll with the changes.